Hello and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris. I'm Creston. And today we are going to talk about when should you use background jobs and when should you not should. Because that's English and I said so. Uh, but before we get into the meat of the show, we can review. How was your week, Creston? Busy, 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 busy. So, uh, good thing I released the Zoom integration finally for my advancement form product. So that was cool. good. Um, it had a lot. It took longer than I thought it would. There were a lot of changes I had to make. It was like I kept on having to trip over different things. Oh my gosh, I got to add this whole other feature. Like we have an add to calendar feature. Like it's an event registration system and we have the link where you can just add it to your directly to your calendar. And I was like, you know, when that Zoom, because we're integrating create a Zoom meeting for virtual events, that needs to dynamically update based upon, you know, so it's just all these different places where we had this configured had to had to fix. Uh, other than that, did some consulting and been doing a lot of work with, um, I guess this is background work, haha, pun intended, yeah. uh, on the YouTube shows uh, and both this one and Scaling Postgres that will uh, have some more to talk about, you know, in the coming weeks or so. So other than that, what's what's up with you? Ah, uh, well, I have gotten, I've I've had like a horrendously busy month. It's just been crazy. I'm I've gotten so and many it just things started. Going. Yeah, well, you mean the last 30 days? I mean, days the last, or... yeah. <laughs> yeah, rolling, yeah, yeah, rolling month. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's gotten, it's gotten just nuts. And I've gotten, I've had to get involved in a lot of things that I wasn't involved in before. And I, so much so that I, I just, I had to put the, uh, coding with Chris, the Cave Lord stuff on hiatus for a little while because I just, oh, I, no. I, I okay. yeah, I hate that, but I just, too many real life things getting in the way. Um, so hopefully that'll that'll slack up a bit soon, but next couple of weeks are going to be a bit uh, bit rough, I think. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm there's a lot of of stuff going on um, with with uh, we're actually working with background job issues at my company right now, trying to to troubleshoot a bunch of those so this is kind of a timely discussion we're gonna oh, have good <laughs> uh because uh the past couple of weeks for me has been a lot of that <clears throat> and dealing with um all the pitfalls that you can fall into with background jobs so um so yeah it's uh it's gonna be a a timely conversation i think um and one that i will have a lot of griping and complaining to do on so well is it the background job's fault or is it the fault of the code running in the background job? i'm gonna say it's the background job's fault because my code is perfect dang it no i i mean honestly at this point i think it's a little bit of both and there's a lot of different cases where we're having some issues so i think some of them are one and some are the other um but okay still still researching so it could all be the code, but, and it's not all my code. So, um, 
you know, there's a whole team of people over many years that have contributed to that code. So God only knows some of what's in there, but I guess I'll be finding out. So All right. anyway, let's talk about when should you use background jobs? I think first, let's start with the basics. Uh, let's define what we're talking about with background job. So, well, I would say, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Well, I mean, I would say anything that is not happening in sync, when we're talking web development, yeah. anything that's not happen, happening in sync with the web request is a background job. That is one um, thing. So it could be, there could be scheduled background jobs that say cron kicks off or some other scheduling service kicks off, or it could be like event-based. So something happens in your front end or a customer does something that then triggers this background job to happen or spawns multiple jobs to happen. So it's basically something that's not happening in sync with a, with a web request or in sync with whatever user input is doing. It's a separate process that gets spawned to take care of um, work. So, and background implying that the user doesn't see what's going on. Right. So that's how I define background jobs. Right. And so what what really is the purpose of background jobs? Why Why would I use them at all? So I'll put in my two cents. Sure. <laughs> And that is basically to keep your front end processing. And by front end processing, I mean like your main web requests coming in from users to be unhindered with taking that load. So it keeps them nice and fast and efficient. So ideally, you know, there's all these reports that say, you know, users detect when it's your web request turns in greater than 100 milliseconds or whatever whatever the metric is. Basically, yeah. it needs to be as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, your processes that are serving your users on the quote-unquote front end need to quickly receive the request, do as little processing as possible to get that request and send it back to them within that whatever your metric is, 100 milliseconds or whatever. So they don't, they should not be burdened with contacting an email provider, contacting an API, because that means they can't handle those front end requests. So you put those in a queuing system for background, job, background jobs to handle. So the reason is to keep the user interface, the user experience fast and optimized. Right. So this is all about the user, really. It's it's about making sure the user has a good experience. That's kind of where all this came from. And, you know, if, if I'm going to generate a report for somebody off of large data and they request the report, they shouldn't have to sit there and wait for the report to be generated before they can do anything else on my site. Um, that's just a bad user experience. And so that's when you start looking at, you know, parallel processing, background jobs, offloading, that kind of thing. And it, and it even gets worse because imagine that you chose to have them wait for that web request to happen. Well, now that process on your server is now doing all of this work. 
So that means that that process is not available to receive other requests coming in. Mm -hmm. So now maybe you need to have a 200 core server or a 500 right. core server. You know, it just explodes exponentially if that one server is doing everything within the span of the web request. Right. Whereas separating the background jobs now, those processes for your front end could they're super quick, super efficient. You know you have metrics ideally or benchmarks to say this must only take this much time to process. Mm -hmm. And then you can have this whole bank of servers over here if if you need to to do the, the background jobs. Right. And there's another, I think, important <clears throat> use case where background jobs are um, almost necessary. And that is when you're trying, when you're, when you're scheduling things to happen, like I need to send out a notification in an hour for something, or I need to, you know, when, when this happens on the front end, I need the back end to do this thing and send out some stuff. And, you know, so that's another good use of background jobs when you're trying to asynchronously schedule things to happen in the future. Um, so uh, those are, I, I mean, in my career, those have been the two primary use cases to even think about background jobs. And I can't really think of other use cases uh, where I would start thinking about those. Do you have any others? No, I mean, unless there's also the aspect of probability of failure may cause you to, I don't know if you'd call that a separate class or not. I think you could probably still put it up under one of those, but meaning that if you have something that's going to potentially fail, like sending, there's not only the time involved in sending an email or uploading something to S3 or interacting with an external API, but what's the probability of failure? Do you want your users to get a 500 error message back from your application then thinking the whole thing's down when it's just this third-party provider that's having an issue or email slightly delayed. It's much better for the user experience to say, oh, the email's still sent, it hasn't sent yet. Well, I'll navigate and do other things in the application while it's doing its thing. Right. So those are I think kind of the the basic use cases where you would want to use background jobs. I think there are some use cases where you could use background jobs, maybe, but maybe they aren't required. But I'm I'm also interested in what are the use cases, some examples of when you really should not use background jobs. So part of the reason that I think we talked about this, and I may have volunteered this, is that I've had some, in my consulting, I've seen some different ways people do different development. And some of the places that I've seen, they, they, they background all the things. Like even if it's not an external service or they think, oh, this particular query is going to take a while to do to the database. And sometimes that's not, always the case. It's, it's like the, the de facto, everything's a background job. Right. And I guess I have a little bit more nuance in that um, because it does take more, I mean, I guess 
it is a little bit more engineering to factor in background jobs and to, I mean, definitely to set it up. But once you have it, there's still a cost involved to schedule, schedule that job, have another process, pick it up and whatever. So overall, I would say your compute is more expensive than if you were to do something within a request. Right. And so uh, there's overhead. It's yeah. So yeah. there's overhead with regard to setting up and setting the background process. So I guess I'm saying, I think sometimes people have, or other programmers may not think of that little bit of extra overhead. And if it's something small and insignificant, then maybe it's best to just not do it as a background job and just like do a query in the database, for example. Right. And I think too, that you can, you know, you, you do background jobs. One of the primary use cases is to make sure that you've got a good, fast user experience. But if you go too far with that, you can actually swing the pendulum too far and actually adversely affect your user experience because there are feedbacks that you want to give them synchronously, even if it takes a couple of seconds. Right. And, and if you throw that off to a background job processor and it takes five minutes instead of two or three seconds, that could make your user experience even worse. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, it's, it's good to, I think err on the side of caution and don't use background jobs for something until you've determined, yes, this is a good candidate for a background job because it's interfering with my user experience. Um, but yeah, it, yeah it's, so for, it, sorry, it's kind of like, don't, don't optimize too soon in your code. Don't background yeah. job too soon in your, in your design. Yeah. Like, for example, here's an example that I have in my own product. When you run a report, I think it's like 99% of the time when it returns things to the screen, it's, it's efficient enough. There are no background jobs involved. So, you know, I'm the Postgres guy, I'm the scaling Postgres guy. So all of my queries are highly optimized. Mm -hmm. So they run in, you know, totally sub-second, pretty much no matter what parameters they put in. However, when they choose to export something to CSV, that is more labor-intensive. And because a lot of CSV... They wanted to take things that are typically in rows and, oh, I want these in columns, mm -hmm. you know, so that's very intensive to do, particularly if basically Ruby has to get involved. And if you pick a large report, it's going to time out. So I background job all CSV exports or text file exports, whereas the actual just run a report and let me see on the screen, you know, the thousand or 2000 records it is. That doesn't use background jobs. So that's an example where the balance I've taken it in mm -hmm. in this example where I'm not going to use them for the real-time reports that give output on the screen, but I am going to do the background jobs for the CSV exports. Right. And I think that kind of leads me to another another topic, which is potential pitfalls you have with uh, background jobs and, and things that you can do to yourself that are not good if you get become too heavily reliant. And one of those things, one of the things that I'm fighting with now is before you stick something in a background job, make sure you've done reasonable amounts of work to optimize that code first. Because 
sticking horribly unoptimized nasty code in a background job because you don't want to deal with it is will become problematic over the long haul. <laughs> I promise you. Because <laughs> uh, one of the things I'm dealing with now is we, we've got background jobs that are sucking up tons more memory than anybody can figure out why they should be. But, you know, as we get to looking in the code, it's because it's severely unoptimized. It's old code. And what the old solution was is, hey, just throw more memory at it. Well, th that's not a good solution because as your customer base grows, you'll just keep throwing memory at it and you'll keep occasionally having problems. So, um, you know, make sure you're paying attention. Don't don't treat your background jobs as second-class citizens. Make sure you treat them with the same respect that you treat your, your front-end code because um, it does have an impact on your server, on your memory, on your customer experience. Um, you know, it, it still has an impact even if it's a background job. So don't just treat that as a, you know, that's my throwaway can. I don't the, care about the dumping that ground. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's bad news because it, it'll come back to haunt you. So what are some other things that you can think of that that would be a pitfall that you could get yourself into that you should be careful of with background jobs? I don't know. I can't think of anything right now. I mean, it's it's doing it prematurely, having additional overhead with regard to it. Um, I guess I can't. I mean, I don't know. Do you have something off the top of your head? Um, I actually have a couple of. Because you're the one that's running. Yeah, you said yeah, running into the issue, right, so you yeah. probably so a here's a question. Here's some here's some things that I will say. Uh, one, I know that it is not necessarily frowned upon in the community, but if you've got a large project, don't have background jobs spawn other background jobs in, in chain background jobs like that, because it turns into an absolute nightmare to try to troubleshoot those things. I mean, unless they're just, you know, so basic that they can't possibly screw up. You know, like having a complicated job send an email as another job, that could be okay. But don't have an, a, a big job spawn another big job. You're going to... It's jobception. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, it turns into a nightmare to troubleshoot. I'm just, just warning you from I, my personal I, experience. <laughs> I heard about this from a client I was working with. I wasn't working in the background jobs. I was doing, just doing the database stuff. Stuff. And they said, oh, yeah, this workflow can spawn another workflow, which can spawn another workflow, which can spawn another workflow. And I was just like, so it's just like multiplies like rabbits. Yeah. And that's, oh, that's been a I nightmare. was like, oh, boy. The, Does it the, have a... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. The other thing that, that is highly recommended that I've discovered recently is if you're going to put something in a background job, make sure that you put a crap ton of logging messages in that job. Because if something goes wrong in that job, like if you're using Sidekick, it, and not just Sidekick, but this is what we're using, so this is my experience, but the, you know, the, they all kind of work like this. They're kind of a black box. So once you send that job off, um, if you don't have good logging in there, it's going to be really hard to figure out when or even if something is failing a lot of times. 
do you have metrics like i think i thought new relic and some other application performance monitoring tools had insight into jobs running on um yeah i thought that it did and would could capture exceptions and things like that it can to a point but if you uh and you know like sidekick it will uh Re, you can set it to restart jobs if they have internal failures oh, right, and stuff. Right, right, but right. and yes, there are metric things, but you you want to and you can catch exceptions, but you also want to have good logs because let's say for instance, here's here's one of the problems I'm running into. You've got a large JSON that you're importing as a background job into stuff, and so you're going through big loops, and one of those things is bad. Right, so the whole job, well, depending on how you got it set up, the whole job fails because something in the middle is bad of a thousand records. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're logging, if you've got specific logging, you can just say, okay, well, this thing in the JSON is wrong here, so let me fix that, and then I can, you know, get this get this going. Um, you just described the exact problem that I had when I released my Zoom integration because. Um, I think I had some insufficient test coverage for some some aspect of the emails, and one of the emails had an issue. It had a error in it, and it was in a loop. And I said, "Dang it! I need more logging to figure out where <laughs> which one of these records of the loop has the issue." Oh man, yeah. So yeah, so I added add additional logging to it, but this kind of gets into another perspective. Is like which is probably for another episode, how much should you log? Because <laughs> how much should you log prematurely and, you know, or do it, only do it when you have a problem? Should it be removed after the, you know? Well. That's going to go on a tangent. I, I would say, though, maybe not. For background jobs, my advice, yep. based on my experience, would be overlog them. I I. I promise you if if you've got complex things with lots of jobs going off you will much rather have too many logs than not know what the hell's going on in those black boxes you know yeah. especially yeah. if you if you get on call on the weekend and something's going bad and you have no way to figure out what it is that's not a good feeling you know i'm i'll actually go with you on that because i know I think it's something I've naturally done now that I think about it. I do put a lot more logging in my non-user-facing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, so for whatever reason, even like tracking exceptions, it's so much easier to diagnose what's going on in the front end. Yeah. Maybe that's because you have additional session information of the user doing it or or whatever it is. But I know naturally or instinctually, I do add a lot more logging with background processing. Right. Yeah, and I'm starting to discover that, you know, that that would have saved me hours had had the people that wrote those background processes put sufficient logging in there. There would have been weeks of time saved in just one problem that I've been investigating. Uh because it's hard Ouch. to go back, you know, A, it's hard to reproduce the problem. Well, actually A it's hard to identify that there's a problem in the first place. You know, 
you got weird symptoms and you don't know that the problem is actually in this background job in some cases. So you first have to identify that, which would have been easier if you'd had logging and you could look up and say, well, hey, I'm getting an, you know, I've got a log that says error here. Um, or I've got a start and an end and the end never hits. So here's the problem. But, you know, also there's, once you find out that, hey, this, this type of job has a problem, figuring out which one of those jobs failed, where it failed inside the job, um, just gets really complex, which is one of the reasons that I say don't, and we actually have a policy at work about this, is jobs are not allowed to spawn other jobs. Now, again, there's exceptions to that. If it's very simplistic stuff, you know, maybe have this job send an email off or something, that's fine. But uh, we were having so many problems with that, and it was becoming so difficult to troubleshoot that we actually have a policy now where that is not allowed, period. Because um, it was a mess. And yeah, one of the reasons it was a big mess was the lack of logging, sufficient logging. So, Yeah, that's... I guess that is another danger of background processing because it is relatively easy with some of these tools, how easy it is to throw something in the queue to be in a, in a job and throw something else in the queue. And then that job happens to throw something else in the queue. And then that job happens to throw something else. Yeah, it's easy to get into that state. Or I've seen that with, with some clients, that it's right. easy to get into that state. And it's and kind if, of like, I have to stop myself. I'm like, wait, are we in a background job now? You know, I have to look at the code. It was like, what I'm working on, is it actually called from a, is it itself a job or whatever? Right. So, yeah. And if you don't effectively herd those cats, you can run into race conditions with your data and all kinds of weird crap can go, can happen. Um, Which, again, I'm saying that because I've experienced those very things several times. And it's just not pleasant to try to troubleshoot that. I'd rather be creating new stuff in the code than trying to figure out where the hell some weird problem is in a background job. Fix somebody else's crap. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, and, you know, I get paid for it, so I'll do it, but it's, it's not my favorite thing. Um, and it'd be a lot easier if I had sufficient logging and clearer paths of execution, um, you know. Well, how hard, out of curiosity, how, because this is what I do, like I said, do instinctually add more logging to background processing related jobs. But how hard is it to add additional logging to some of the stuff that you're working with? I mean, because if I ever have an issue and my logs are insufficient, I was like, all right, well, I don't want to, not that I don't want to do it. I was like, Arr. you know, I gruff about it, but then I add additional logging and I deploy it to try to figure out what's going on. How difficult is it to add additional logging in your organization to some of these things? It's not a, it's not a problem to add the additional logging. It's difficult a lot of times to get it into production because we have a lot of production yeah. environments. Right, 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 um, right. And, and just a long lead time to get it yeah yeah so that's okay. that's the big issue it's not you know i can add a log line in half a second but well yeah but actually getting that code that you've changed to the point where it's running in production is not insignificant <laughs> right yeah i just went through adding stuff to 
um, uh, I refactored one of the background jobs uh, that one of our customers, large customers, uses quite a lot, and it's all good. It's it's all through their UAT and all that stuff, but it'll be another month before it goes to production because they're in a socks wow. pause. Oh, know, okay, yeah. So, and there's there's nothing I can do about that except keep dealing with the issues they're having. <laughs> I'm like, guys, can't you try to get an exception or something? Come on. But, you know, I mean, a socks pause is a socks pause, so what are you going to do? But that's, yeah, that's the real big challenge. So, you know, for, for you, you can just decide to a point, okay, I'm going to add this and I'm going to put it out there and I can, I can deploy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've got to go through, well, the bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The longer it takes for you to, you know, you need to, fa it, it, that means you need to do even more logging. If right. you know the time frame from which you make a change to it's deployed could be a week. Mm. <laughs> I mean, more than a couple of days or longer than that, you definitely need more logging in place. Right. Yeah. And so I've gotten in the habit of erring on the side of caution and just overlogging things because I just, I don't want to have to, okay, well, I put some more logging in, but it wasn't enough. So let's spend another two months running this through the chain. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That would, that would be not fun. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, I think those are the big things is it, background jobs are great for improving your user experience, uh, keeping it fast and light and for uh the the instances where you need to schedule stuff in the future to pop off um and it doesn't require a you know a, a direct interface um so you know those are the cases where you want it but but be careful with them because you can fall into some traps especially if you've got complex background jobs make sure you optimize them cuz and treat them like first class code uh, try not to have background jobs spawn other background jobs, because if you go to troubleshoot, that's going to be a complicated path of execution you're going to have to try to follow. Uh, make sure that you're logging very well in your background jobs so that it's easier to find problems when you have them, because most background job execution systems are very black boxy um, and hard to get inside. and um, don't don't overuse background jobs because if you if you peg your background job system that'll end up having adverse effects on your customers and probably make your your experience worse if you go too far um so yeah i mean you know there is an overhead related to processing getting up prepping processing the background job and some of that if you do it for every little thing that will actually make your performance worse because it may have just been efficient just to do. If it's a query to look at a join at a couple of tables to get some data back, think, is it faster just to do it within this request? Is it going to be okay to do versus dedicating a background job to do that small amount of work? Right. So, yeah, I mean, um, background jobs are great. Be careful with them and and think it through. Uh, don't just use it as the 
you know, the code waste bin to dump your stuff you don't want to deal with in. Because <laughs> it'll bite you in the butt. Um, anyway, uh, that's, you know, like I said, timely discussion for me because I'm, I'm fighting with those problems right now and in, in the real world. Um, and you know, they're just things you're going to run into. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that discussion. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that discussion and we will, uh, be back next week with, uh, we've got our hundredth show coming up soon. Don't we? hundredth episode. Is that next mm-hmm. week? I think so. Oh boy. This we're is on 99. 90. Oh my goodness, man. Time is flying. All right. So we're going to figure out something fun to do for our 100th episode. Uh, we will let you guys know. Um, but we kind of know what we're doing. Uh, well, you want that's me to true. Reveal we what do. we're doing? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Let's hear it. <laughs> so basically we're going to take the top 10 viewed or listened episodes. So we're going to use, I think probably YouTube as a metric and our podcasting provider stats uh, i would say look at the top 10 episodes and from each of those and from that we'll combine like a top 10 list and we'll kind of discuss those past episodes why they why we thought they were popular um and relevant uh so that's that's pretty much a kind of a review and discussion but also as it relates to the community and what they um I don't want to say reacted to, you know, responded to. Right. So I, I think that's pretty much the plan to celebrate the 100th episode. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That should be fun. So, um, you guys, if you have any thoughts on uh, background jobs, make sure and put them in the comments below. Uh, if you did enjoy this, please like, subscribe, and um, tell your friends. Share this video because that's the biggest thing you can do to help us grow. Um, we did enjoy it. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find us at rubberduckdevshow.com. You can find us on Twitter, though I haven't been very active on that lately because I've just been so busy, but at Ducky Dev Show over there. Uh, And, you know, just... um, What else? Oh, rubberduckdevshow at gmail.com. Yeah, we have that too. So, anyway... um, you can hear the audio podcast anywhere that podcasts live. Uh, you pick your favorite. We'll be there. And we will see you next week. And until then, happy coding. Happy coding.